0: Luke chapter 9 verses 1 through 17. I will read this and then we will pray. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money and do not have two tunics, and whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen, Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd and they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these stories. We thank you for um that the, the the truth that we have your word before us this morning. I pray that your spirit would would illuminate us, illuminate our understanding, help us to understand what this is all about. And I pray, God, that you would teach us and grow us in your grace. I pray that you would, you would magnify your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, uh, it's the, the work of the preacher, the, the work that, um, I'm trying to do, Each time I preach a sermon, each time I I come to a new passage, we're preaching our way all the way through the book of Luke, Um, and so we're going to be here a while. I hope you like the book of Luke, because this is kind of where we're going to be for a while. As we go, we, we finish one passage from Luke, and we go on to the next one. And when you're doing that as a preacher, the point, what you're trying to do in each sermon is say, what does this passage mean for us? You have to do the hard work of of figuring out what this passage meant to the first people who would have read it, right? Or the first people that would have, if it's like an epistle of of Paul, the the first church that would have heard it read to them. Like, wh- what would, what did it mean for them? You do you you try to figure that out, and then you try to figure out what does it mean for us today? What does it mean for First Baptist Church, Warsaw, Indiana? In June of 2021. What does this mean for us today? And the whole time, of course, you're, you're, you're trying to prepare this sermon, figure out this passage, figure out how to preach it. You're praying hard that the Spirit will help you. So that's what we do as preachers every week. What do these stories have to do with us? I, um, my first glance at this, cause I was thinking, man, there's, there's this, there's this story about this weird short-term mission trip where the disciples couldn't take any luggage, and they went out and they healed everybody. What is that all about? Then you have this story about Herod, this little couple of verses about Herod, who's thinking, I killed John the Baptist, who's this new guy? That's weird. And then you have the story of Jesus feeding thousands of people with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. What does any of this have to do with you and me today? Well, at first, when I read the fish thing, I was thinking, oh, I know what this is about. This is proof that First Baptist Church is the true church. We are doing church the way Jesus wants us to. Cause I mean, what we're looking at here is essentially a fish fry, right? Actually, I think, I mean, there are guys in the room that are more well versed in Greek than I am, but I think if you really get into the ancient Greek here, you, 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 what you realize is that the, Jesus took those, that, that bread, He actually breaded the fish, fried it up, Serve to the people. We are doing the Lord's work here today. That can't possibly be <laughs> what this is teaching us. I mean, can it? No, no, it is not. So, what is this? How does this help us then? What is this for? How does a Christian in the 21st century, what do, what do we take away from this? Studied it, prayed, thought. And I think this is what these, these stories, when you grab them together and you look at them together, here's what they're doing. They're, they're teaching us how to proclaim the kingdom of God. We are to be kingdom proclaimers. This, these verses, these 17 verses help us to understand how to do that. Verses 1 and 2, He called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He sent His, His 12 apostles out to proclaim the kingdom of God. It's what Jesus Himself is going to do in the, in the third story, in the, in the feeding of the 5,000, He's going to do that same Thing. It's what Jesus has been doing and now he is, he is extending his reach and he is, and he is, he is sending his twelve apostles out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse six says that they preached the gospel everywhere. Now, there are some huge differences between the way that they ministered and the way that we minister where they were in the history of redemption and where we are in the history of redemption. There's there's some differences there. But there there are some principles here that are incredibly helpful for all of us living right now, Warsaw, Indiana, June 2021. So what does it mean to proclaim the Kingdom of God? What does that mean? What were they doing? They They were proclaiming the authority of God. If I'm going to proclaim the kingdom of God to you, it's going to sound something like this. It's going to be me reminding you that you were created by God to worship Him, to obey Him, to love Him. You were created to submit to God's authority. You were created to see God as your king and to submit to Him as your king, to His kingdom. But then, Adam, the first man, sinned. And ever since Adam mankind has been turning away from the authority of God, turning away from the kingdom of God, wanting to establish their own little kingdoms here and there and everywhere, wanting to be their own king. So, God has every right to punish us in hell for our rebellion, for our treason, for our sin. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel that the that the apostles were pre- were preaching. The good news is that Jesus has come to save us from our sin. Let's turn away from our stupid and sinful way of thinking, and let's trust Jesus as our Savior. Only He can save you. Trust in Him. That's the gospel. Jesus died to save you from your sin, so that you can be forgiven. So you believe that gospel. You trust that Jesus. Um, you trust in Jesus to save you, and then. You follow God as your King. You love God as your King. You obey God as your King. You live as His loyal subject. That's what it means to proclaim the Kingdom of God. To trust Jesus as your only hope for salvation and then to submit to Him as your King. He will, he will give you the grace. He will change your heart. He will draw you into submitting to Him. Obeying Him. Living for Him. That's the message of the church today. It's the same, as the, it's the same message as the, as the apostles had 2,000 years ago. Now, our method is very different. We're not given the same kind of apostolic authority and, and healing ministry and, and all of that that the apostles were given. But we have the same exact message. We have the same exact call to proclaim that message. Trust in Jesus and then by His grace submit to Him as King Join the kingdom of God. Submit to the kingship of God. That's the message then, and it's the message that we're to proclaim today. And you're thinking, perhaps you're thinking, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to do all that. I don't want to tell people that they need to stop being their own king, their own boss. They need to stop that. And they need to submit to God. They need to align themselves with the Word of God. I'm not much of a kingdom proclaimer. I'm more, of a, I'm more of a innocent bystander. I'm not really one to get into those kind of conversations. That's not a big deal to me. Well, let's think about that for a minute. If you belong to Jesus... If you have, by His grace, because He has changed your heart, if, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then one of the things that's happened is that, is that He has, He has given you a desire to submit to His authority. If you don't have that desire in you, I'm not saying you, you get it right all the time, but if you don't care about following Jesus, if you don't care what the Word of God has to say, you're, you're, you're you're probably not saved. You're probably not born again if you don't care about what Jesus has to say. So one of the things that Jesus in His grace has done for us is He's changed us from the inside out. And so it's not like we're perfect. We have lots to repent of. We have lots to confess. We have lots of ways to improve. But our disposition, our attitude, is we want to follow God. And if that's your story then one of the things you have to understand is that He has called you then to not only submit to that kingdom, but He's called you to proclaim that kingdom. He's called you to urge people to believe the Gospel and to urge people to obey God with their lives. This is what our local church is all about. Paul was writing to a different local church when he wrote Colossians. And in chapter 1... He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So here's the word to the church. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Like... God or Paul is saying we 've heard what God has done in your heart, how you have believed the gospel, and how the gospel is bearing fruit among you. This is what God does in his local churches, and we 're so thankful that he 's doing it in you. And then he says down in verse 9, "...and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding." So so Paul says, I want you to know the will of God. Which means I want you to know what the Word of God says and what it means and how we obey it. Verse 10, "...so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord." That's the goal. We want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the the saints in life. So why is Paul saying all this, why is it so important that you align yourself with the Word of God? Why is it so important that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Because, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. This is what we do for each other as believers. We, we are, are faithfully coming alongside each other, reminding each other to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Because we, 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 when we encourage each other, we remind each other, we say, no, no, you, you have been brought from that kingdom, that kingdom of doing your own thing, You've been brought from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. Every time the Bible says Lord, you know what it means? It means Lord. It means master. It means king. We throw that word Lord away because it doesn't mean anything to us. When we, we think of the Lord, we just think, oh, that just means Jesus. That's just another name for Jesus. Well, it is, but it's a reminder that Jesus is our king. We belong to him. Not only is He our Savior, He is our King. We belong to His kingdom now. And so the work of the church, the work of encouraging each other among the church, it's not just, hey, how you doing this week? I hope you have a good week next week. We have pretty good weather. And how about them? Bears or cubs or whatever. You know, if not that, encouraging each other is this reminder, hey, you belong to Jesus. He is your King. Let's walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. One of the huge reasons we ordained Colin today, one of his massive responsibilities, is is Colin is, is called, equipped, ordered by God to proclaim the kingdom. And not only is he to proclaim the kingdom, he is to get you ready to proclaim the kingdom. Ephesians 4.11 says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers... So this is, so this is who we have today, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Colin is here to equip you to do the work of the ministry, for, listen what that means, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the Head. Into Christ. So part of the role of the pastor in the New Testament church, in the 21st century church, part part of the role of a pastor is to help get the, the people of the church equipped to encourage each other to submit to the headship of Christ. To see themselves under the lordship and kingdom of Christ. It's all over the New Testament. I mean, when they say the way fathers are to raise their children. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The, the King, the Master, the way we raise our children, we are instructing them what it means to follow Jesus as Lord. Fathers, is that, is that the way you think when you're, when you're, when you're instructing, when you're disciplining, when you're raising, when you're correcting, when you're encouraging your children? Are you thinking this is, this is so that they will submit to the Lord? So this is this is so that they will find themselves in the kingdom of God. This is so that they will they will they will transfer their loyalty. They won't. They're not gonna. They're not gonna live for themselves. They're not gonna be their own king. They're they're gonna have Jesus be their king. That's the point. That's what we're going for when we're raising our children. The women in the mentorship workshop thingamajigger that um, has a really cool name and I can't remember it. Uh, They've been thinking about Titus too older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior not slanderers or slaves to much wine they are to teach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled pure working at home kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of god may not be reviled why are we doing this why are the why are the older women in the faith encouraging and mentoring and and training the younger women in the faith why are they doing this so that so that the word of god is held high so that the authority of God is held high. It's the the older woman's way of helping the younger woman submit to the authority, the kingdom of Christ. It's it's her proclaiming the kingdom of God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. I'm proclaiming the kingdom in the way that I care for my wife, the way I sacrifice for my wife, the the way that I love my wife. Colossians 3 kind of sums up everything. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever you're doing, you're serving the Lord Christ. The Christian life is a life of proclaiming the Kingdom of God. That was my introduction. (laughs) Uh, I told... Melinda, that we would be there and back eating food by 11.40. That was yet another case of me lying in church. <laughs> that ain't never going to happen. That last song, you're going to have to sing it quick. I mean, really fast. So that was me trying to, trying to, trying to zoom through the New Testament Proving to you that you belong in the kingdom of Christ. This is a kingdom thing. Jesus isn't just your Savior. He's not just your buddy. He is your Lord and your Master. You are to obey Him. And you are to encourage the people around you to obey Him. You to, to believe the Gospel and to obey your Lord. This is, a, this is a, a kingdom thing. So how do we do that? Now we get to the sermon. Four things to learn here. You guys think I'm joking. I'm not. This, I'm, we're just now getting started. I have plenty of water. I'm fine. All right. Uh, there are four things to learn here about proclaiming the kingdom of God. Number one, from these verses, we learn to limit distractions. How do we proclaim the kingdom of God? We learn to limit distractions. That's the first thing we learn from these verses. Verses 1 through 4, and he called the 12 together, gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal, and he said to them, and so this is, this is interesting. Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics. That'd be easy for me. I don't have one tunic. I'm not positive what a tunic is. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. What is Jesus? What is the point of all this no luggage rules? What is the what is the big deal about? What are, what is Jesus trying to do here with his guys? He's trying to get them to streamline. He's trying to get them to travel light, to keep it simple, to keep it focused on the task at hand. And so again, this is a, this is a completely different, they lived in a completely different world doing, doing things completely different than we, we, we don't live going from, we're going on short-term mission trips all of our life and we just live a different, this is, this is not the same. But there is a principle here that's so good for us. We could all use a little streamlining. We could, we could all use a little, uh, simplifying. We have, we have Things in our life that are just weighing us down. We have, we have too many distractions in our lives. If you have things in your life that is that are just making it very difficult for you to make disciples, then get rid of those things. If your family is too busy for family devotions a few times a week, then you're too busy. If your personal time is, is cluttered up with so much Netflix and Facebook and cable news that you don't have time to learn the Word of God and encourage someone else with it, then you're, then you just have too much of that stuff. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You need to dump some of this stuff. If you're too cluttered up, if your personal time, if your negotiable time is too cluttered up with with, with streaming services and with social media and with news outlets and with blog posts, if you're too cluttered up to, to, to engage the Word of God and then to take some time and encourage someone else with what you've learned, then you need to dump some stuff. Some of us in here have disposable income and some don't. If you do have some, and you can use yours for vacation, but you can't support the work of the church, you can't show some hospitality, you can't buy your loved ones a book that will help them grow, then you need to rethink your budget. If you're not prioritizing gathering with God's people, which is one of the ways Jesus commanded us to proclaim the kingdom, until He comes. You're not prioritizing that, then you need to rethink your priorities. Sometimes we need to streamline. We, we, that's number one. We learn to limit distractions. Number two, we learn to be clear about judgment. These verses help us to, to, to be clear about judgment. Verses five and six Jesus says to his guys, And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them and they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere what so that's a, again we're not going to do we're not going to do that like we're not like we're in a conversation with someone and they don't want to hear what we have to say so we just kind of shake the dust off we're not that's we're not going to do that but what is the principle here the the, the 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 idea behind shaking the dust off your feet that was like this public display um that these people had Had a chance. They had a chance, but they have rejected it. And they are in danger of judgment. It's so tempting um, when we're talking with, when we're trying to explain the gospel to unbelievers, with people who have never believed the gospel, it's so tempting to want to downplay the reality of hell, to try to talk about it in ways that sort of Make it seem like it's not that big of a deal. Let's not do that. But then it also goes when we're talking with those who call themselves believers. You know, you've got people that they've, you know, they, they, they've been baptized and they say that they were believers, at least one, they used to say it or or whatever. And you're trying to proclaim the kingdom of God to them. They're, 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 they're just struggling with sin and it doesn't even seem like they really even care. Like they're not even trying to fight against the sin. I mean, some, some sins trap us in and they are difficult to, to, to get out from under. They are, they are difficult to defeat. And so you can tell whether someone's trying to fight against it or someone just doesn't care. So when you're, when you're trying to proclaim the kingdom of God to someone who is just struggling, you remind them. It's time for you to submit to Jesus as your king. You're done being your own king. It's time to follow Jesus as king. And if you don't, if you won't, if you don't care about this, if you, if you know the truth and you don't care, there's judgment in the end for you. There is, I mean, there is hell for those who don't care. For those who, for those who don't Show that they've been saved. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you get saved by fighting against sin. But if you are saved, you will fight against sin. When your sin is made known to you, you will. You will want to hate it. You will want to turn away from it. You will want to fight against it. You're not going to bat a thousand, but you are going to want to fight against your sin. When you're proclaiming the kingdom to someone who doesn't care, it's time to warn them about judgment. It's time to to warn them about hell. Let's be clear about judgment. That's what Jesus told His disciples. Shake off the dust of your feet. Be clear. Judgment is coming. Number three. Third thing we learn from these verses, we learn to magnify Jesus. We learn to magnify Jesus. Verses seven through nine. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John the Baptist had been raised, by some that Elijah had appeared and by others that the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, Herod said, John I beheaded. Like I remember I, that dude's dead. I know he's dead because, you know, I saw his head and it was not in the same room as his body. He's dead. But who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. So I want you to see here what's happening. When when Herod hears about what the apostles are doing, he doesn't say, "Huh, what's up with those apostles? Maybe I should try to hire them. Maybe I should try to." I mean, they're they're big into healing. They're kind of like making a name, you know. Like like maybe let's let's I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna bring them on my staff. Maybe they'll join my team. I'll recruit them. I'll poach them away from Jesus. These guys seem like they've got it going on. No, he doesn't say that. When, when he hears about what the apostles are doing, he starts to wonder about Jesus. Who is this Jesus? That's where it's at for, for us. Do you understand? That's, that's the goal for us. When people interact with us, when, when people see the way we treat our spouses, the way we, the way we treat our family, the way we care for our church, the way we love each other and encourage each other, and go to bat for each other and help each other. the The, the way pe- when people see the way that we live our lives, when people hear us talk about what's important to us, they don't come away thinking how awesome we are, and they don't come away thinking about really any other peripheral issues. They come away thinking, "What's up with that Jesus? There's something something going on with Jesus." There's something interesting about Jesus. I want to love my wife and children in a way that makes people know that Jesus has saved me and is changing me and is growing me in His grace. I want Jesus to be the hero. And I want it to be clear in my family, in our church. I want it to be clear when I talk that I'm thankful for Jesus. Let's magnify Him. And then finally, number four. Fourth thing we learn, we learn we can't possibly do it apart from Him. Fourth thing we learn about proclaiming the kingdom of God, we learn we can't possibly do it apart from Him. Verses 10-17. through 17, Such a fun little story. Just it's, just it's just one of those stories, man. I'd love to see. I'd love to be there for that. I I could miss the whole storm where they almost die. I could miss that part. I'm fine just reading about that. Um, this one would be cool to see though. This is less scary. The 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 apostles return and they're telling Jesus about their trip, right? They returned from their short-term mission trip where they had no luggage and they and they and all this and they, all the. Like, it was an amazing trick. They 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 come and and he took them and withdrew to a town called Bethsaida. He's going to give his guys a little bit of rest, right? They've been on an intense short term mission trip. He's gonna he's going to give them a little bit of rest. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those that had need of healing. And the day began to wear away. Jesus has been teaching. He's been ministering. The day is almost done. 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away. We can't, we can't feed these people. We can't take care of these people. Send them away. Verse 13, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, some commentators say, Man, they should have just realized all this power and authority He had given them for this, they had done some amazing things through Jesus' power and authority. Like, He gave them this healing ministry and this exorcism ministry. I mean, they should have known, they they should have known if Jesus tells us to do something, we can go do it. Uh, but when He says, give those people something to eat, they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. We can't, what are we gonna do? Can't do that. There's about 5,000 men, verse 14 says, which means there are probably even more people than that because um, women and kids eat too. So it's not the, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of mouths to feed. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. They had them all sit down and taking the five loaves and the two fish. I just, I really wish I knew what this looked like because we don't know. We have no idea what this looked like. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And then verse 17, we don't, we don't know like what, how, how did this, how did this happen? And we don't know. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. This illustrates the way ministry Works. It's it's Jesus' way of illustrating what He had done for them back in verses 1 and 2 when He called the twelve together and He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. They were an extension of His power and authority. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. This is This is essential for us to understand as we go about proclaiming the kingdom of God as we try to convince people that we love and care about to believe the Gospel and to align themselves with the Word of God. To submit to the authority of God. As we're urging people, encouraging people, trying to disciple people in our lives. As we're trying to do this work, it's wonderful to remember we can't possibly do it apart from Christ. I mean, I, I um, we, we gave Colin that... Certificate of ordination. And so now, right, what? You're going to sit in his office and he's going to say, do this, and you're like, I don't want to. He's going to point to that certificate, do it. And you're like, okay. And then your life has changed. I mean, it might work. He can try. Probably not. We've ordained Colin to do things he can't possibly do. He can't possibly do them. I mean, I mean, I, he can preach the word, but he can't make anybody believe it. He can point out the glory and the beauty of God, but he can't make anybody love God. He can point out the foolishness of sin, but he can't make anybody hate it. Because we gave Colin this ordination certificate, it doesn't mean that he's automatically every time he tries to equip someone for the work of the ministry, then it just it just happens. We might as well tell him to go heal any disease or any sickness that's in the room. He can't do it. But the interesting thing is Jesus has has, has told him to. He's told the pastors and the shepherds to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ, and and to keep equipping you until you until you reach maturity, until I reach maturity, until till we reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Ephesians says. Can any of us do this? Can an older woman in the faith really mentor a younger woman in the faith in a in a way that just kind of changes her life? Can 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 you fathers? Can we really raise our children in the instruction of the Lord? All of, all of that, I mean, does, can we really raise our children in such a way where they hunger for the, for the Word of God, where they cherish the glory of God, where they joyfully submit to the truth of God, where they gladly believe the Gospel, where they fight against their sins? Can we do that? Can I possibly love my wife the way Christ loved the church? Yes. If if I belong to Jesus, I don't think that He tells us to do something that He's not going to give us the strength to do. He said to these disciples, okay, get them in groups of 50 and then feed them. He meant... Get them in groups of fifty and then feed them. Jesus can do this. He can take a, a few loaves and a couple of fish, and that's really when he's working with me. That's essentially what he's working with. Nothing. All and no one's thinking. Yeah, that right there. Take him, and you can you can and, and, and you can minister. You can bless thousands of people with Steve. Yep. I uh, what. No. But over and over, Jesus says yes. Jesus can take twelve ragtag disciples and he can advance his, con- his kingdom all over the country. Jesus can take you and me and work in us and through us as we proclaim the kingdom of God. Like, do you have a neighbor or co-worker who needs to hear the gospel? They need to hear that Jesus has died to forgive them of all the times they've rejected the authority of God. All the times they decide to be their own king. They need Jesus to forgive them. He's died to forgive them for that. You, you have a, you have someone who needs to hear that, needs to believe that. Do You have a, a friend or a family member who claims to be a Christian, but is living in rebellion against God. They need to hear the gospel and the kingdom proclaimed to them. Do you have a friend or a family member who you're pretty sure they're saved, but they are struggling with fighting against temptation? Proclaim the gospel to them. Proclaim the kingdom of God to them. Urge them to believe that Jesus saves and that He gives grace to follow Him as King. Urge them to believe that. You say, that's, that's beyond, that's beyond me. I, I can't do that. I'm, I wouldn't be good at any of that. I, I wouldn't be good at any of that stuff. That's awful. I can't do that. I can't do that. Let somebody else do that. I think the New Testament is clear, and I could have had a longer introduction too, and I can talk more about this if you want me to sometime. I think the New Testament is clear. No, if Jesus has called you and brought you in, you you are to be doing this. You are to be proclaiming the Kingdom of God. You are to be urging people to to believe the Gospel and to submit to Jesus. Your Your family members, your friends, your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, you are to be doing this. For the people in your church, for the people in your neighborhood, the the opportunities you get, you go after it. And no, you can't, like, just, if you, it was just you all by yourself, no, you can't do it. But Jesus has told you to, much like he said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd help us to believe it. We're timid, we're shy, we're a little bit scared. We are not sure about proclaiming the kingdom of God. We're not sure about urging the people in our lives, who most of them are pretty independent people, urging them to align themselves with the word of God. To believe that Jesus is their only hope in life and death. And that they need to submit to His authority. I pray that You'd give us the, the, the courage to do that, God. Help us to, if we need to, streamline. If we need to simplify our lives, help us to do that. I pray, I pray God, that you would, you would help us to take it seriously. And I I pray, God, that you would help us to remember that no, in our own strength, we, we can't. We can't. But if you have called us to do it, you will, by your grace, through your spirit, equip us to do it. You will bring forth fruit. We can trust you for that. Help us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.